Hello and welcome to Revolution 22's Sermon Podcast. We are a church from the downtown area in Boise, Idaho. Thank you for joining us today as we continue to learn from God's Word in the first epistle of Paul to the church in Corinth. We pray that God's Word will be received and will bear fruit in your life. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians or chapter 2, 9 through 16. If you don't have a Bible, just slip your hands up. The ushers will bring one for you as well. This is a, a fun section of Scripture that we've spent the last few weeks as we study through Corinthians where Paul has basically told every single one of us, look, this is something that God does. This is something that God does. God does this. God does salvation. God's the one that did the very thing. He's the one that everything should fall under. And, and, and this week is kind of the turning point. The scripture is, is a turning point for us to understand how God does this. He, he says, the Apostle Paul really lays out this section with this, this is how God achieves what he said he's done already for us through this first chapter that we've been talking about. And remember, if you just take the context of what the Corinthian church is going through. Right now there's a lot of divisiveness and immorality and all those things that were kind of happening and present in the church. So the Apostle Paul is trying to figure out how to correspond, respond to the questions that those in the church had and letting them understand and know what is, is of God and what is of the world and, and how to navigate that. But he's also trying to establish something that is a very tricky thing. If you, if you think about it, there was immense divisiveness in this church. The church of Corinth was, was battling and they were, they were setting up these, what we would call today cliques, but basically people that, sects of people, these, these people that would be, I follow this person or I follow that person or I follow this person. So the Apostle Paul is trying to send a letter back in response to these people in Corinth, to the believers in Corinth, while navigating the fact that there are people that believe that Apollos or Cephas or some of those other people were worthy of more following than what the Apostle Paul did when he planted this church and stayed there for about 18 months. And so he's trying to navigate, how do I answer this? How do I, how do I get to the truth of what, what needs to be said here without it becoming about me, which is one of the things the Apostle Paul is trying to navigate. And so this is one of those sections that, that unfortunately, it's or not, well, I guess fortunately, it's just one of those sections that need to be explained. So we're going to spend a lot of time today just explaining some terms in, in, in the text because it will really set us up for what the Holy Spirit does for, in, and through us through the rest of this book. So if you have your Bibles turned there, let's read real quickly in chapter 2, starting in verse 9. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person, which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart, and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual." The natural man or the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are, they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Okay, so this, this section is, is riddled with a lot of terms that we have to kind of understand so that we can see how this applies to us today. And so I want to just kind of define a few of these. First off, um, he's, he's, just, he's trying to remind us and establish who is who in this text. 
So we, we have to understand who's the we and the us and all of those things because if we don't, we miss kind of how this can be communicated to us. Secondly, um, this section drives home the point that no man can boast in the wisdom of God. That's what this section really drives home. When he says, back in 129, it said, so that no human might boast in the presence of God, but instead, verse 31, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. This is the, the driving force of that text, of that understanding. The Apostle Paul is literally driving home, look, there is no room for any of us to boast, to be arrogant, to be confident in ourselves. This is a work of the Lord. So he says, this wisdom that we have, this wisdom from the Lord, as he's been talking about the foolishness to man and, and, and the, the wisdom from God, what is this wisdom specifically? I think it's easiest to define it this way, the thing that comes from the Spirit of God. It's God's full wisdom in planning and providing redemption through Christ crucified and its implications for living. That last part, its implications for living, is very, very important. Because many of the people in Corinth, and I would say even today, a lot of us think if we can just know it here in our head, but we don't have to live it out, we're good. And we just assume that we're a part of this and we understand how it's supposed to play. The, the wisdom from God isn't just an, a knowledge in your head. It's a knowledge that, that lives out and plays out in your life. It has implications to the way you live your life. And so the heart of this message is the word of the cross. And that's why we talked about last week, said the Apostle Paul said, look, you, 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 you need to know only, I, I only know Christ crucified. That's all I need to know. And, and that's not, it's not just a simple statement that Christ died on the cross for us. Think of it this way. The word of the cross is a radical indictment of human pride, and it describes a way of salvation. The word of the cross is a message about my crucifixion, not just Christ. We get this in Galatians 6, 14. It says, far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. See, look, when, when I am crucified with Christ, the world is crucified to me. It's dead to me. The world is dead to me. I have no desire to be in this world or of this world. I want to be, I want to be a part of God's kingdom, living out his purposes while here on this temporary place. So the Apostle Paul says, look, the, the, cru, the crucifixion of the cross wasn't just Salvation, it's, it's, it's a full understanding of God's plan for redemption and salvation. It's a full understanding of what it means for my life to live out with the implications of what the cross does in me. This is the wisdom of God. This is the wisdom of God that has been on kind of repeat over these last few weeks as we've been talking through the first chapter in the beginning of two. And this wisdom is deemed foolish to the world. And that's something that both um, Danny and John described a, a few weeks ago, if you want to go back and listen. So this section shows us that through the Spirit of God, that God accomplishes it all. Paul wants the people in Corinth to see the truth of what he is pointing out about the wisdom of God and the crucified Christ. See, he wants us to understand, he wants the people in Corinth to understand that, look, the wisdom of God isn't something that you will just fall on and be like, oh, I really like this. I, I deduce that that's the truth. In fact, most people in the world, all people in the world, apart from Christ, We'll look at the wisdom of God as folly, as foolishness. Wait, someone had to die for me to be right? That doesn't make sense. Why him? Why this person? And they'll talk against it. The other term that they use in here is he uses the term natural person. This is, again, we're going to establish some, some grounds here. Natural person, this is the person without the spirit. It's important that we understand that this is the person without the spirit. This refers to a non-Christian. The natural man is used one other time in the New Testament to refer to people. Namely, it's in Jude 19, which says it is these who set up divisions, worldly people, i.e. natural people. It's the same transition, devoid of the Spirit. 
So when he speaks of the natural person and them, them not understanding or not wanting to know of the wisdom of God, these are people that are not followers of Jesus. These are people that are not Christians, that have not submitted their life to Jesus as Lord. And then he talks about spiritual people. And this is one of those landmines because a lot of people in this day can take a spiritual context as a higher enlightening or a divineness in this. So even as Christians, it's like, I'm more spiritual than this person who's less spiritual. And that's, that's not what he's differentiating here. Spiritual is just someone who has the spirit. To be spiritual is not some extra light from within or even somehow to be extraordinary, sensitive to divine, but to appropriate and live in accordance with God's saving work through Christ by God's spirit. That's what the spiritual is. It's, it's people that have, um, have all, the, all the conditions for growth to make them mature. That's what a spiritual person is. So spiritual, so follow Jesus, natural person is not, again, explaining some things. But where this section gets a little tricky and what kind of perplexed me for a little bit is, is the we's and the us. If you look in this text, if you look all the way back to the beginning of 6, um, um, verse 6 in chapter 2, there's, there's a lot of we and us language that happens in this text. And at first reading, I would just read that, and I've always read it, as we just, the, we as a whole church, we as the believers. But I actually think there's, there's a difference in this. And as we looked, as I studied a little bit more, the we in verse 6 and 7, so going back, and the us in verse 10 refers to the apostles. It refers to the apostles and their teaching. And this is, this is important, and I'll explain it in just a second why. But it goes on, and then, and then the first person plural pronoun appears again in 12, verse 12, 13, and 16, our sections. And scholars are kind of divided or silent over precisely whom Paul has in mind on each occasion. But the best solution is that in verse, three, verse 13 is a reference to the apostles and prophets. The same verb to speak is used as in verse 6 and 7. But in verse 12 is a reference to all believers, such since Paul regularly defines Christians' identity in terms of those who have received the Spirit. Us in verse 12 refers inclusively to all Christians as well. And then in verse 16, we have the mind of Christ is reference to him again. And why is, why is this important? For a couple reasons. The Apostle Paul, again, is trying to establish how God does what he says he's done. How does, he, how does God do this? Well, in this text, what it tells us is a couple things. Is that the Apostle Paul sees that his writings actually carry some kind of weight to them. It's, it's important for us to understand this. Some, there's an argument as to whether or not any of the New Testament authors knew that what they were saying was divinely inspired. We, we have a lot of thus says the Lord like 400 and something times in the Old Testament. So I'm pretty sure every one of those prophets like thus says the Lord like they understood that. Well, the Apostle Paul, I believe, and this is my own conjecture, I believe he knows what he's doing. I believe that he knows that he's inspired by God. And I, know, I believe that he knows that his, his authority comes from God. And his understanding comes from God. And so when we read this and recognize that this, this first section, that verse 6, 7, 8, or verse 6, 7, and 10, so when he says in 10, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, and he's actually establishing his, himself as an apostle, this is telling us something. This is telling us that these words have authority beyond the rhetoric that was playing a role in this day, beyond the, the enticement of, or the eloquence of speech that was, that was causing these divisions in the church. Apostle Paul says, no, like, the, the, the Spirit has given us the authority. Here's why I think the Apostle Paul knows that he has authority. If you read further into 1 Corinthians 14, you can just go there and look later. Verse 37 and 38 says, If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. 
That's a pretty bold statement to say. I can't think of a time when I've been meeting with someone like, well, now listen, you should know that as I'm telling you, this is a command of the Lord, unless it's the scriptures. Which brings me to the other point. The way in which you and I gain and grow and understand the Lord is through the scriptures. You want to know more about God. You want to understand his wisdom and how it plays out with the implications of your life. It's through his word. It's through understanding this, not just in your head, not just studying it to be able to argue with people, but to see his word transform your life. And that's what the Apostle Paul is writing in a letter. He's writing inspired by the Holy Spirit, which he acknowledges. The Spirit's the one that gives us this authority, gives us this wisdom. And he's writing this to the Corinthian believers to understand that what he's saying has more authority than any of the little divisive cliques or things or, or sex or any of those things that they were trying to create to divide people. Is that my authority comes from the Spirit. That's why it's important for us to read the us's and the we's in the right point because he's establishing a very, very sound platform of understanding for the people in Corinth. And he's doing so, how? By worldly wisdom, no, inspired by the Spirit. He acknowledges it here in 10 through 14, or 10 through 13. Then it gets into this section where it says those who are, uh, verse 14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is, is to himself to be judged by no one. So this, this whole section, the spiritually discerned, this is another term we have to define. Forgive me for that. But this word discern here in verse 15, um, is, or in verse 14, is translated twice in verse 15 as judge. So, so if, if you read it, it would say, um, the NASB does it this way. It says, it can't, it, he cannot understand the things of the Spirit because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritually appraised all things, yet he himself is appraised by no man. The word means to assess or praise or make value judgments about something. So what he's saying here is, and this is important, what the Spirit does for you and I, what the Spirit does for us children of God is, is that the Spirit indwells in us. He leads us to be able to make the value judgments that are of God. So much so that verse 16, that we may have the mind of Christ Jesus. That may we live out that way. So when the people of the natural person doesn't understand this, what he's trying to drive home, he's saying, look, look, it's really important you understand this, that the natural person doesn't have the Spirit of God. So to them, hearing about a crucified Christ is folly. It's foolishness to them. It's a, it's a ridiculous message to them. Apart from the work of the Spirit of God, apart from the, from the indwelling of the Spirit of God, to being drawn out, to being led by the Spirit, you will never fully grasp and understand what it means to live for Christ and his glory. And that's what the Apostle Paul is doing here. He's trying to, he's trying to drive home that you're either a, you either have a spirit which is oriented toward human pride and wisdom, that is eloquence and reason independent of God, or you have God's spirit. There is no middle ground. So what does that mean for us today? As I wrestled with that, I, I, I kind of honestly kind of felt a little dejected and frustrated by this text. Say, like, okay, so, so God does everything. He does it through the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the one that, that brings me to understanding. When I want to know more of God, he doesn't take away the fact that this doesn't do away with the fact that we're to study God's word. And just say, okay, well, just, just sleep on your Bible, and the Holy Spirit will, over the night, just bring the words into you. No, it doesn't say that. No, we are to study and to be hungry and thirsty for his word. And it's in his word that he is going to 
transform our hearts. The Spirit's going to help us understand how these words play out in a day-in and day-out purpose. So why, how does this work for us today? Well, I think there's a couple things that we have to understand. First off, this all sets up the rest of the letter to discuss the issues because the ground rules have been set. So the rest of the, the letter, the Apostle Paul is working, he, he spends almost the entirety of one through four is, is basically pushing on divisiveness. And he's going to go through and talk about all the other issues that the church in Corinth is having. He believes that this establishes, by the Spirit of God, this, this establishes that for us. And essentially what he's saying is, is that Paul has authority because it was given to him. The people in Corinth are spiritual because they have the spirit that was given to them. Now, that's the part that finally helped me understand this. Think about it. If you are a part of a church that's, that's unraveling in all ways, like there's, there's divisions, you've got like your, your, this person sits in this section following these people, and they're, they're always questioning what, whoever's speaking. If it's not from that individual, this is Paul's writings. Okay, I want to I hear from Apollos. And you've got all these factions happening within the church, and you've got, you got incestuous men in the church, and you've got all kinds of things where they've completely destroyed the understanding of these things. Man, if I were in that church, I would really, really struggle first off to believe that I even understood what it meant to follow God. And if we remember back to the very beginning of this letter, the Apostle Paul writes to them as believers. He writes to them as children of God. He doesn't just write to some individuals and say, I hope this falls on this. He's saying, no, to the church in Corinth, to my brothers and sisters. So despite the, if you're sitting in that moment, that tension where you realize, man, there's, there's enough trouble going on that obviously people are literally sending questions to the Apostle Paul because, like, man, we don't know what's going on here. What do we do about this? How does this work on? He, he is establishing two things. One is, again, that God does everything, and how he does it is through the Spirit, and that you, church, you have the Spirit of God. You may not be fully mature. We're going to talk about that next week. But you have the Spirit of God, and that's what he's saying, saying look, church, you, you have it. You have the Holy Spirit. And you, you do, it's not something that you, you quandered up on your own. It's not something that you're, you're clinging to because of your, by your own strength. It's something that he has done for you through his spirit. You have the spirit of God. Just like my authority comes from the spirit of God, is what the Apostle Paul is saying, you too have the spirit of God. And in him, you can do all the things that his word, that God's word commands of you. In him, you can understand the things when it comes to the wisdom of God and the redemption, the plan of redemption and salvation. You can, you can not only cognitively understand that, but you can align your life to say, I want to follow you because you have the spirit of God. You have been indwelled. You are a spiritual person. So this text is a, is a landmine of, of terms that establishes really two things for us. The spirit of God is the reason why any of us have any understanding of God. It's, it's his work. It's the Holy Spirit's work in us. You want to be wise, it's the Spirit of God. It doesn't do away with us digging into God's word. I can't say that enough. If some of you are like, man, I just, I got the Spirit of God, so I have all wisdom. I don't have to think about anything. No, the Spirit of God brings to us understanding and wisdom through the words of God. The Apostle Paul is writing this letter, and he recognizes that this letter is commanded from God. He sees somehow that he is being led by the Spirit to do something that is, that is beyond just answering some questions. When we have the Spirit of God, we see the value of God's Word. The Spirit enables us to appraise things with their true value, which is why the natural man, so when the natural man appraise us, which is what he's saying, they will always go wrong. Why? Because verse 16, apart from the Spirit, no one thinks or appraises like the Lord, but we who possess the Spirit have the mind of Christ. 
We've begun to view and assess things the way Christ does. Therefore, we do not reject, but receive the things of the Spirit, even when they mean death to self. We, 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 accept, we accept instead of rejecting. Just to drive this point a little bit further, he has a section in here where he talks about us understanding the things. He says, look, everyone knows their thoughts. He says, for who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? Meaning, who knows my thoughts really except for my spirit within me, the center of who I am? I can share those, but I can also filter them. Does anyone really fully know them? It's the spirit that knows them. Then he goes on to say, the spirit of God knows the depths of the thoughts of God. And we have this spirit. So when we define or find ourselves having wisdom from God, we see that ultimately it's the spirit doing it in us. So the Holy Spirit's role is, is so profound. In fact, you know what's crazy is, is up till this point, this is the second time that Holy Spirit shows up and it's said like six times in this one paragraph. This is a, this is a turning point. Just right before this in verse four is the first time his name shows up in here. So the Apostle Paul is literally just kind of smoothing out the ground for them, laying down a foundation for them to understand, look, your, your boasting is foolishness. Your pride in understanding is foolishness because the, the very wisdom you have is from God. I think that applies to us today too. So often we can get stuck in some theology or doctrine and, and really study it and, and feel like we have a good understanding of it. And then we start getting prideful in that understanding as if it was done on our own strength. Or we start dividing like the church in Corinth. Well, I like to follow this person. Or I like to follow that person. He's saying, look, all of these people, if they're speaking on behalf of God, it's God's authority, not theirs. There's nothing I'm saying that brings about this immense authority. Anything that comes out in authority is because of the Spirit of God and it's Him doing it for you. We established this last week. No matter what I say today, if I'm, if I'm surrendered to the Spirit of God, hopefully, right, in teaching this, the Spirit of God is going to do something for you. And if you're convicted, that's the Spirit of God. If you're encouraged, that's the Spirit of God. If you're challenged, that's the Spirit of God. If you are, if you are broken down. That's the Spirit of God. That's not my presentation. That's not my doing. That's, that's the Spirit's doing. So in this huge section of all these different terms of us and we's, the Apostle Paul establishes that there is a, there is a authority that comes through the Scriptures that we should not take lightly. This is an authority of our life. This is how we are to live and not just understanding, not just reading it to know information, but to truly align our lives to the scripture, even if it means we have to die to something. And he says that's what defines a mature spiritual person. Someone that sees God's word, understands it, and then lives in light of that as opposed to opposed to, as, a, as a opposite of it. And then he establishes one last thing through us in this section. He says, there is no room for boasting. If you, want, if you want to understand what it means to follow the Lord, you only get this because of what God has done through the Spirit. It's not your own doing. First, chapters 1 through 4 literally show that God has accomplished our redemption in such a way that every prop of human pride is knocked out from under us. He's accomplished it in such a way that literally none of us can take any kind of human pride in it. And when, human, when, when our pride comes in, we lack humility. And when we lack humility, we start seeing the things of God as us doing it. And we start appraising ourselves. Just like last week, how I said, you're either having faith in men or faith in God is what he's saying. So what do we do at this section? 
a couple things, I think. One is um, we just kind of go, okay, we, we got some information. Now, how does that play out in our life? First off, though, we, we recognize two things. First, in your life, your understanding comes from the Holy Spirit. If you are here today and you have come to know the Lord, it's, it's, it's what God has done through Jesus Christ on your behalf by pulling you out and drawing you through the Spirit of God. Second thing is that we are to understand and to know and to grow in maturity. We're going to talk more about this next week because he, he, he basically says, I speak these things as spiritually mature in chapter verse 6. And then right in chapter 3, right after this, he goes back to the you are infants. And so he's, he's literally trying to help them understand that the things I'm sharing with you, the things that, the God, that God's word is showing you, these are only going to be comprehended and understood and lived by because of the spirit of God in you. If you are the spiritual person, not the natural person. So for us today, I would, I would argue or contend or plea with you is are you the spiritual person? Are you the person that, that has the Spirit of God, that is, discern, that is discerned and you've lined your life up recognizing that the cross and the crucifixion of Christ was something far beyond just an event in history? It was the reconciling of, of broken man to perfect God. Are you the spiritual person? And I'm not saying have you got it figured out. Because some of you might right now be going, well, I, I don't know. I'm kind of struggling in this area, and I'm really falling apart here, and I'm falling apart here. I think the Apostle Paul gives us a little bit of a pass in here when he talks about, like, look, there are, there are those that are mature and those that aren't. I don't think he excuses it and says, well, there's no reason. To just, okay, well, good. Just stay, just stay an infant for the whole life because no one stays an infant for the whole life. But instead he says, look, it's, it's okay. Another thing that I think we can gain from this text is, and I think this is one of those things that would be good for all of us to rest in, is that ultimately, when God works, he doesn't just work in a way that he hides everything from us. A lot of times I think, I hear people when they think about spiritual things, or they think about the Holy Spirit doing something, they think about something that is so far out there that they'll never, ever understand it. And some of that is very true when it comes to the character of God. You know, we, we, we try to experience love. God is love. We don't understand that. Like, we try to be loving, but we aren't just literally characterized as love. So there are things that are going to be far beyond our understanding ever. But when he starts working in your life through scripture, when God works through your life in scripture, he does so in a way that we can have the wisdom of God. We can see discernment and we can understand this and we can apply it to our lives. So we can't just take and say, oh, well, the Holy Spirit told me to do this and move when there's no clarity and no understanding and no truth to be found in his scriptures. It's kind of a leveling ground for us. The Spirit's speaking to you. He's probably pointing you to scripture. He's probably speaking scripture to you. It's not the only way, but that's the predominant way in which we see him doing it. And so that should, for us today, that should drive us into God's word, to want to hear more of God, to, to, to know more from God. That's, this should be something where we're not just reading something, going, oh, that's really neat. No, it, it, should, it should compel us and, and pull us into an understanding of wanting to see and know the God whom we love so much more. And then the last thing, like I said, I think this just sets us up when we start digging into what the Spirit does for us and how he gives us gifts and how he utilizes those. If we, if we skip over the fact that even the Apostle Paul speaking to them was only because of the Spirit and the fact that they're understanding it was only because of the Spirit and the fact that they are called spiritual is only because of the Spirit. If you lose that, then anything that the Spirit does becomes man-made and we start claiming it. And we start making it our own because we lose sight of the fact that the fact I, I don't have any gifts if it weren't for the Spirit of God. I'm not a child of God if it weren't for the Spirit of God. 
And that's what he's establishing here in this section through these many different random terms that are in place. And he's again driving the fact that the words that he is teaching aren't by human, but by the Spirit. And that those that are not of God will deem this message foolishness. So this is the last thing I'll leave you with. That means that as we live as evangelists, that means as we, as we live our life to share the faith of God, to share the goodness of his gospel, that means that there's probably a good chance that people are going to hear that and think it's foolishness. It's not our issue. That's the Spirit's going to have to open their heart to that. We're just to be stewards of God's word. We don't need to, to, to force it on them. Let the Spirit work in their lives. So if you are maybe dejected or fearful to sharing God's word because you don't think you'll convince someone, well, good news is you don't have to. All you need to do is share God's word and live God's word and let the spirit of God do the work that he's, he's here to do. The bands, are actually, Danny's gonna come up and we're gonna take communion here in a second, but let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for... Um, Sometimes it's hard to just come to a text that is just kind of explaining and helping us understand more of where you're going. But God, I, I trust that your spirit is at work in every one of us. And Father, for the, the, the people that are here today that, that hear these things and go, this is just foolishness. Um, I'm so glad they're here, God. It tells me that you are doing a work in them, that you are, you are drawing them out. I just pray that your spirit would speak boldly to them. Father, as we... As we enter in through this week, God, I pray that we would be enamored with your word. I pray that we'd be faithful to live our lives according to your word so that we could be a people that aren't just spiritually infants like we're going to talk about next week, but God, that we would be a people that are mature. God, thank you for bringing about a spiritual people. That is something you've done. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving those in this room. God, you you get all the glory for that. We thank you for your your faithfulness, and your, your goodness to us. And as we dig into understanding what the Holy Spirit's work is in our life, how he moves and, and, and discerns and, and how we are to, to walk about in this day, God, I pray that you would just give us um, even more of yourself in that. We thank you for your goodness. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit revolution22.org. We encourage you to not neglect meeting together as believers. And may you continue to love God and love others.